KW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. And today I'm joined by Sarah. <laughs> Thanks so much for recording the show with me. Thanks for having me, or yeah, thanks for allowing me to talk to you from my living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bikini Jarvin's mission is to analyze foreign science fiction films through an intersectional feminist lens while combining elements of screen and media studies, arts criticism, and women and gender studies. Our knowledge and experience will hopefully provide you with access points to uh, feminist theory, art history, and film critique while using horror and science fiction genres as a site of discourse. Since we, be, since we will be discussing portrayals of horror and violence, content warning and listener discretion is advised, etc. Also, spoilers ahead. Today, we are discussing George A. Romero's 1968 film, Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. A fallen satellite causes the recently deceased to rise from the grave and eat the living. Sarah, what's your history with Night of the Living Dead? Um, I hadn't seen it all the way through until I watched it for this episode. I can like I have distinct memories of being in people's houses and it being on and like mm -hmm. watching it for a little bit and being like, This is dumb, like when I was a <laughs> stupid teenager. Yeah. And like early, early teens when they're like, Oh, it's such a scary movie. Um it's and kind then of a good, like, like party movie. It is, like it's or yeah, just to have it, like in the background. Yeah, totally, because it's, like, got that, you know, it's black and white, so it has that, like, you'll stop and you'll watch it for a while, but it also, like, isn't one that you can sort of just, like, without, like, you can just sort of dip in and out of. I mean, you yeah. could, I guess, but you would be missing, like, the whole point of it. Yeah. Um, and I also, when people are like, oh, it's a horror movie, I used to think, like, this isn't a horror movie, mm -hmm. uh, but I was super wrong about that. Yeah. Um, but when I, I watched it earlier this week, I was like, oh, no, you're younger you is for sure a dummy and this is a terrifying movie that is totally horror just not in the way that you're used to mm -hmm. um and like in watching it I saw so much of it in more recent movies uh and it sort of just all came together like how important this film is to the genre but yeah. also kind of on its own like if you were to look at it like like you know before this we were talking and I was like I find that I get more like, I find it more useful to think about this as, like, a social commentary movie opposed to a mm -hmm. horror movie, even yeah. though that was, like, fully, like, accidental in a way. Um, yeah. And, like, just how important it is. Like, this was the first time a black man was a lead in a horror film, mm -hmm. um, which, according to Romero, like, wasn't intentional, but now it seems like it couldn't have been any other way. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah, like, your comment about, like, oh, like, this is corny, or it's, like, not a horror movie, it's because, like, we've seen all these tropes mm -hmm. overdone in so many mm -hmm. other films, but yeah. this is, like, the originator. Yes, yeah, and it's, like, I, I like, re like, I didn't, that was something, you know, that younger brain Sarah didn't appreciate, yes. when I was, like, oh, this is some, like, those 
deep if they're eating looks super stupid, but it's like, no, this is the first time. Like, yeah. respect. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, the budget was like $12. <laughs> yeah, it was so little. And like, yeah. also, it was this, you know, they were doing this in like the late 60s. So things, yeah. if I'm like, oh, that blood doesn't look realistic, uh, things have come a long way. Although yeah. the woman, the woman at the top of the stairs, like that whole mm-hmm. schlamozzle yeah. of whatever's left over of her is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I remember cool. like like the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, this was yeah, a great one! It's disgusting." Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen *Night of the Living Dead*, but um, I really wanted to cover it for the show after watching Xavier Neil Bergen's documentary *Horror Noir: A History of Black Horror*, uh, which examines the way black horror genres reflect and connect with uh, black history. Um, everyone should watch this documentary. It's so great if you have a chance. Um, it's available on Shutter. So. Oh, and cool. I think if you sign up for Shutter, you get, like, 30 days free, so. Oh, well, what else are you doing now? Sign up for Shutter. Yeah, exactly. Do yeah, it. Exactly. Watch, watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you want to talk about, a little bit about History of Zombies? I know we touched a little bit on it already. Yeah. Like, um, just in, like, I mean, zombies is such a, I, I feel like just, like, societally, zombies seems to be the, like, cool thing nowadays, and, like, mm-hmm. You know, because they're kind of these, like, mindless, reanimated things that, you know, we're maybe scared of becoming or, like, realize that maybe we already are in some way of, you know, like, oh, we're all addicted to our screens. You're just a song, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I mean? But, like, in this, like, this was the, like, this was the first, this wasn't the first zombie film. The first one came out, I think, in, like, the 30s or 40s. But, like, this was the first sort of one that, um would become, I guess, like, mainstream. And, the like, with him, he didn't even, like, with Romero, he didn't even want to call his zombies zombies. He wanted to call these ghouls. And it was, like, yeah. everybody else who made this, like, inference to them being zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, historically, like, zombies have roots in Haitian folklore, voodoo, and slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, a movie that really, like, looks at that is that is Wes Craven's The Serpent in the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like, looking at it sort of from a, like a white lens so I think like the, I I don't know if it was if Romero was wanting to do something intentional in not calling them zombies and calling them ghouls like if he was aware of the history and wanted to be respectful of it and mm-hmm. it was just everybody else like I don't know do you have any sort of thoughts on that no I think it was just like what's scary it's like oh people coming back from the dead <laughs> yeah well, for sure <laughs> yeah yeah um, and the thing that was interesting, so when I, when I rewatched this and I was like, okay, it looks, looks like 1968 and I mm-hmm. like, you know, the first scene where like, it's a, like a black man and a white woman in, in the house. I was like, oh, he's, he's screwed kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. this is going to end terribly for him. Yeah. And just from like a civil rights component, like, mm-hmm. um, part of it was, uh, like Romero was interviewed by the Hollywood and he said that they didn't cast Dwayne because he was black. We cast him because he was the best actor. He actually changed some of the dialogue because when John Russo and I wrote the script, we wrote the role as an uneducated truck driver and Dwayne mm-hmm. didn't want anything to do with that. He yeah. wanted the character to be respectful. Respectable, sorry. Those were the only things he changed. There's nothing in this film that points to race. You have to mm-hmm. interpret that into it. Mm-hmm. Um, actor and producer Russ Streiner and I were driving the film to New York to show it to distributors and that night on the car radio we heard that Martin Luther King had been assassinated all of a sudden even in our minds it became a racial film mm-hmm. so it's like 
like I, I like when I was looking at it like I said to look at it as like a horror film like yes it is it was created as a horror film but now it sort of seems to transcend that and looks at horror not in like the blood and guts kind of way but in the societal way and I mean mm-hmm. like the like you know listening to Jordan Peele talk about when he was writing Get Out and mm-hmm. so much of that came from this and then like even you know in, in reading an article um another article in the Hollywood Reporter um, that talks about like how this film like Night of the Living Dead is as relevant as ever like Mm -hmm. it will never sadly not be relevant there was a quote from Dwayne Jones who was the lead um, Mm -hmm. and he said he he played Ben what? oh he played Ben Yes, sorry, yes, yes, yes. Uh, We were driving through downtown Pittsburgh of all places and heading back to DeQuincy uh, when all of a sudden we became very aware of the fact that there were some teenagers in a car following us. And at first we thought it was some of the young folks who were around the filming. And I looked back and I said, Betty, those are strangers. And then I looked back, one of them started brandishing a tire iron at me. And the paradox and the irony of that, of that I had been walking around brandishing a tire iron at ghouls all day long, and there was somebody brandishing a tire iron at me from a car in absolute seriousness, and at that moment, the total surrealism of the racial nightmare of America being worse than whatever that we were doing as a metaphor in the film lives with me to this moment, mm-hmm. which is just like, holy crap, you know, yeah. like, so scary. It is so scary. And like, that's, I think that that's almost like, you know, that the, the horror of like us as humans is the mm-hmm. thing that, you know, that we don't take into consideration when we talk about horror films mm-hmm. because if we're looking at it as like a form of escapism we don't want to be sort of presented with this but it's like no that's the worst kind of horror yeah it's like how people actually are right yeah and like i think we talk, we, yeah we talked about this when we were talking about night breed sort of like horror as the genre about otherness and like mm-hmm. it seems like horror horror and science fiction genres are like really kind of the only sort of platform where people can discuss these sort of like social issues yes. even if it is yes. like metaphor or whatever but it just that just seems like i don't know the only way that you could actually talk about race in america in 1968 and have people yes. pay to it yeah you could sense. never no it totally makes sense because it's like like i always like it's like one of those things where you have something important to say to somebody but if like some member of your family but like if you <laughs> say it to them they're not going to listen to you as yeah. much as if you were to get somebody else to say it to them, mm-hmm. like somebody that they respected. So it's like in this way of like trying to convey these super serious topics and and things that are actually really life and death for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to sort of just make a movie about how like a realistic or non-escapist kind of movie about that, it would I think be almost too much for people to handle. Totally. And like I mean I'm sure people like people have tried to do that before, like with Crash. And like everybody lost their minds mm-hmm. over it. And you're like, no, this is like sentimental. In a way. Like Bullshit. it's gross. Yeah. It's self-indulgent gross. Yeah. But like there's nothing that's self-indulgent or gross or like race porn that's part of this movie. You mm-hmm. know, it's just kind of yeah. like you're like, oh no, okay, cool. So like this is everything that happens and the dynamic between like everybody in the house too, like the older mm-hmm. guy, like the dad, the family, and how immediately Mr. Cooper? 
there we go. I'm the worst. Yeah, the Coopers. Like the guy. Yeah, yeah, the Coopers. So Mr. Cooper and right away how he's like, I need to get power. Like the upstairs, downstairs dynamic. Mm-hmm. The like yeah. young kids, like all of this stuff. Like it's just this like, and it wouldn't be any different today. Like mm-hmm. we probably would like to think that it would be, but if we were in a stressful situation like that, like for sure everybody's worst, everything is going to come out. And we're like, exactly. oh, surprise, so-and-so's a racist. Yeah. Or maybe not surprise. <laughs> sound so um and how it kind of comes up in this movie diegetic sound is a noise which has a source on screen and belongs in the world of the film there are noises uh which have not been edited in for example dialogue between characters or footsteps another term for diegetic sound is actual sound so this appears in the film as news broadcasts television and radio and non-diegetic sound is noise that does not have a source on screen and the characters can't hear so that's like sound effects added in or music or narration or anything like that so the diegetic sound sort of appears in this archival footage, which kind of like really kind of anchors this movie in reality, like especially during the final scene, the final credits, like where Ben is shot by the lynch mob, basically, and then oh, yeah. like dragged and then dragged burned. out. And it's like, that's not, it's not only filmed, it's like, looks like if you're looking at photographs. Yeah. Um, so I, that is very similar to photo, photos taken at like public lynchings, civil, yeah. civil rights demonstrations, and mass arrests. There's a zombie apocalypse, and we have a small group of folks who all sort of converge on a cabin house to survive. It has a black protagonist in Dwayne Jones. You can be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. He's in charge. If you stay up here, you take orders from me! You can never quite tell if... The white woman who Dwayne Jones is essentially saving is more creeped out by the fact that there's zombies outside or the fact that there's a black man in the house. I was probably way too young to see it, but I was absolutely fascinated by the fact that there was this beautiful, handsome black man. That was the first time I probably saw somebody black in a movie, and they weren't a criminal, and they weren't a gangster, and they were the hero. At that time, there was not a black character who was really a man, who was, and, and you know, again, who took charge of his fate, who wasn't waiting for the white man to save him. Dwayne Jones' performance stood out for me. By that point, I knew I wanted to be an actor, and I said, okay, I was going to be fearless. He's slapping white people up the side of the head. He's killing white zombie after white zombie after white zombie. This had to be horrifying to racist. assassination after assassination. We had riot after riot. Civil rights movement and all those movements were combining together and we were producing those those men that were standing up and saying, not here, not again, not me. At the same time, he comes out and he does does this film and that's the character, that's the man. Mm -hmm. That's the man I saw. Night of the Living Dead was so important because for the first time, we're not just the victims. We were the destroyers and the protectors for the people of the monsters, which was good for them. Years later, I got to know George Romero. I asked him, I said, why Dwayne? 
And he said the role wasn't even written. It wasn't written black. Dwayne just happened to be the best actor to show up on that day. This is like in the 60s when people being hosed, people in sit-ins and stuff like that. Jim Crow era. Exactly. Yeah. It just blew my mind that this was a black guy who was doing all this, taking charge. He was the hero, mm. even though it didn't turn out for him in the end. All right, Vince, hit him in the head, right between the eyes. I can remember seeing this and not being able to move. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. He's killed by the, the white mob, which had to look a lot like white mobs that were roaming throughout the South, menacing black folks and terrorizing black folks. You see lynchings, you think of Emmett Till, and it's just too much. And so you are left just sitting there going, my God, did this just happen? George Romero tells the story of putting the film cans in the trunk of his car, driving to New York City, and they hear it. They hear it on the radio. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed by an assassin's bullet tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. And I can't imagine what happens in that car, what that feeling is like, the, the crush, the blow, the sinking. And I want to believe that they know what they have. Night of the Living Dead becomes what it is exactly because of what's happening in this country while he's filming it. Uh, so yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about liminal time and space in this movie. Um, so liminal is just relating to a transitional stage or of a process or occupying a position uh, at or on both sides of the boundary or threshold. So this is portrayed in this, like how time happens in this movie and like sort of like the space between night and day and then first uh, yeah barbara first mentions it like when they're at the grave uh yeah. graveyard uh, she mentions daylight savings and how bright it is and how it's just kind of it's just already kind of weird and something's off there's yeah. also the space the sort of liminal space between life and death um obviously with, with the ghouls coming back to life and attacking the living good and evil uh with the ghouls and the lynch mob or like mm -hmm. like with what you said before it's like who's actually bad is it yeah yeah. monsters or human beings that's sort of like where that comes from um there's also the science version and nature because there there is this broadcast where they're talking to a scientist and sort of like yeah the satellite that causes radiation poisoning and zombie rampage yeah um also um the sort of liminal space between child and adult and this is shown with karen who yeah. the little girl changes from an innocent child to stabbing her own mom which is the only scene featuring this kind of death, which I think is, like, very yeah. interesting. It's probably just supposed to be, like, such a shocking image, like a child stabbing yeah. with mother. Like a, with, like, a spinny, like, a trowel. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, yeah, that was, that was so, like, it's also, like, intimate in a way. Like, it was, okay. yeah. Yeah. And the music is, like, so, it almost, like, maybe nauseous. <laughs> like, it's just, like, so yeah. warped and, like, it's just such, such a bizarre scene. It is. Um, yeah, it's really cool. It's really well done. So I have a quote here from Dead Blondes and Bad Mothers, Monstrosity, Patriarchy, and the Fear of Female Power by C.D. Doyle. In folk belief, magic is often said to accumulate around liminal moments, points in transition 
places where something is neither A or B, but both at once. Brides, for example, are vulnerable to malevolent magic because they are neither married nor unmarried. Hence, our extensive array of superstitions around weddings. Midnight is the witching hour because it is neither day nor tomorrow. In ancient Greece and Rome, ghosts supposedly appeared at both midnight and noon, since noon was another hinge point of the day. It was a state of in-betweenness, not the dark, that allowed them to manifest. Adolescence is one of the most frightening and protracted forms of liminality, a time when someone is neither a child nor an adult, but can seem like either or both. I just feel like, yeah, the, mm -hmm. the Karen scene really it kind of explores that. Like, even, like, mm -hmm. her mom calls her her baby as she's, like, Great. coming in. Yeah. yeah, she's, like, fully, like, it's just this really, like, sort of disassociative moment of, you know, mm -hmm. like, she, like, she's calling her baby and, like, it's very obvious, like, lady, you should be running away. Like, this yeah. is not your baby. Yeah. As much as you want it to be. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's kind of, yeah, she's transitioned into this school. She's not a child anymore. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, um, obviously this is, a uh, this movie, it's horror in one location. <laughs> if we could all... Shout out to one location! Shout out to isolating. Ugh. Um... Yeah, do you have any favorite movies that take place in only one location? Uh, I was thinking about this, and I kind of love, like, the ability to have, like, a sprawling, running, you know, like, trying to get away from things, and, like, probably isolation is, like, my worst nightmare, mm -hmm. um, in terms of it, like, being, a being you know, stuck in a zombie apocalypse, but, like, mm -hmm. I do enjoy, like, The Cabin in the Woods is, like, it's one of my silly favorite movies, and that's a good mm -hmm. sort of example, I think, of it, um... There aren't really others, like, well, I don't, yeah, like, ones that I've seen, I mean, like, I saw the, like, I am the pretty, like, we were talking about this before, I saw that I am the pretty thing that lives in the house, and that is weird and scary and just in a house, so there's that, I mean, there's the lighthouse, which is, like, where mm -hmm. the, like, I, I also find it, like, interesting in that I look at when I'm watching these sort of things where isolation is key as like the thing that they're isolated in as a character as well. Mm -hmm. Like that in sometimes these places become as much like they're not just the place where things happen. It's like they're encouraging or enabling or obstructing things from happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. So they become as much of, of part of the whole overall story and, and as much a character as, as you know, any protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, what about you? Uh, yeah, like, similar to Cabin in the Woods, uh, Evil Dead. Mm, yeah. Yeah, just in that cabin. Uh, and The Thing, because they're kind of, like, just in this camp. <laughs> a camp. Just a bunch of dudes <laughs> in a camp. I yeah. love that movie. I know, it's so fun. I mean, it's, I know it's not maybe supposed to be, but I just love it. Oh, uh, what is another one? Oh, there's, um, Prince of Darkness. That's why. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. Ooh, that was, like, the first horror movie that I ever saw when I was far far too young but yeah that they're like in this like old I think it's a church or a life I can't remember but they find liquid Satan and then they all, all these, <laughs> yeah all these students go to like study there's all these different people they go in this one building and they're like kind of trapped in there um, Alice Cooper's in it he turns in it turns out that he's like just made of bugs at one point um it's pretty great you should watch but yeah that's a good well, isolation one yeah if you have any listener, if you have any yes. isolation movies, please email us at bikinidrives.com. Yes. Yeah, what um, do you 
what are you watching? Is it scary? Yeah. <laughs> How are you uh, passing the time? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, Night of the Living Dead is a good sort of example of cinematic nihilism and sort of the postmodern horror film. So in classic horror, horror films such as Dracula, Frankenstein, The Thing from 1951, normative order is, restor- is restored at the end and boundaries between good and evil, normal, abnormal, are clearly drawn. Whereas in postmodern horror, such as Night of the Living Dead, The Thing, 1982, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, human action is completely ineffectual, and order is not restored, and the boundaries are extremely blurry. And yeah, which was what makes it kind of nihilistic, because the monsters win, basically. Yeah. At the end of those films. Um, And I have a quote here from the Hollywood Hollywood Reporter. The article is, The Lingering Horror of the Living Dead. Of Night of the Living Dead, sorry. Modern zombie efforts are often driven by hope. Despite the guts and splattering of blood strewn across the walls, there's a purveying sense of optimism that humanity will get through this and come out of the other side. Perhaps different, but out all the same. From modern classics like 28 Days Later from 2002 to more recent offerings like The Girl with All the Gifts 2016 and Cargo 2017, there's a sense that the zombie apocalypse isn't the end but a chance for a new beginning. A bi- biblical flood where bodies have replaced water but the strong and righteous can still be saved. In None of the Living Dead, morality and goodness don't mean salvation. These characters were down from the start. Romero's zombie film is driven by nihilism, by nihilism of the American variety. And this is obviously shown in Ben, who's the hero, is shot and killed by the mob at the end of the film. Yeah, he's the only person who, like, manages to stay alive. Yeah, who survives. At night, like, when everything's like, oh, okay, maybe it's getting back to normal. And then it's like, it's it's like, he's just, like, I think that, like, the brutality of that is that he Mm -hmm. is just, like, shot from a distance. Yeah. Like, it's like, they just see this person in a house, and they have absolutely, like, no reason Mm-hmm. to shoot him and they do from a distance and then like those like meat hook claw things oh, that they so use oh, if that that is just the thing like and it's like you know if we're talking you know like we are all whatever this is this you know pandemic that we're living through there's you know you see all the things of like what you do now decides the world that we live in like how you spend your money what we realize is important all this sort of stuff but like does it <laughs> like you know there's things that are happening that have happened that you know will continue to happen that are more along the nihilistic side of mm-hmm. things that you know make me think that like maybe this is if, if we're you know whatever horror we're living through right now is more of the you know, night of the living dead variety than it mm-hmm. is like the girl with all the gifts yeah and or like 28 days later or whatever yeah. Yeah, and like to go back to sort of talking about the Coopers, it's like mm. both that Mr. Cooper, I forget his first name, and Ben, yeah. they're both right. Like the zombies do break into the house, and yeah. and whoever's in the basement get whoever is in the basement gets trapped down there. And they're yeah. just like they cannot communicate. They're and Mr. Cooper's a racist, so it's like yeah, and he, it's all yeah, more, it's like so much more frustrating that yeah, these people don't like, don't really come together. No, they don't. And if anything, like, the situation highlights their differences. And it yeah. highlights, like, you know, the the stupid men wanting power and control and getting the gun. Or just and, being right. Like, his yeah, just being wife right. mentions, it's like, what's more important, like, being right or... Yes. Everyone being safe. Yes. And she was, like, fully done with him and ends up stuck in this house and then gets, you know, chewed on Definitely. by her daughter. I felt yeah. real bad for her. I was like, no, yeah. that sucks for you. Yeah. But yeah, 
it's just like, I mean, this is, it's depressing when you think about it in the, like, how that this was, like, six, you know, this was 1968. Mm -hmm. Like, that's 50 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, you know, we could be watching it now, and it's like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this happens, this still happens, this Mm -hmm. happened, you know, this week kind of thing, like, it's just, Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Yeah, just another <laughs> upbeat edition of two two folks talking about horror. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. Thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank this. you. This is really great. Yeah, um, no, it was. It's good to talk about things. So good to talk about these things. And yeah, um, let us know what you're watching. Let us know your favorite isolation horror movie. You can email yeah. us at bikinidriving at gmail dot com. We also have a Facebook page. You can listen to the show, <laughs> Mini Drive-In, every Sunday at 4.30 on CKW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Oh,